You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Take your Bible, John chapter number 5. I'm burdened tonight about the truth I'm going to preach to you. And I pray that we'll get a hold of it tonight. <clears throat> and uh, I pray that God will help us with this. And, and I think He will help us with it if we'll just allow the Holy Spirit of God to use it. Now, church is not a spectator sport. It's a participation thing. And so you get in on what God's doing tonight. And I tell you this, you'll be glad that you did. John chapter number 5. Let's stand to our feet, if you would, out of reverence for the Word of God. It's uh, warm tonight and we're not all wrapped up. So we can stand and stretch and wake ourselves up. John chapter number 5. Verse number one, I want you to see what the Bible says. After this, you say, after what? After Jesus had given a word to a nobleman saying, your son who is uh, sick, your son's about to die, he's going to live. That nobleman believed the word of God by faith and God did what only God can do. Tonight, that is still the answer. That is still the key to seeing God do what only God can do. You got to obey the word of God, believe it by faith. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there's at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. I want you to notice that phrase, troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. And Jesus saw him lie and knew. Isn't that a blessing? We don't know if Jesus ever saw this man before. We don't know if he'd ever even crossed by this way, but he already knew what he's going through and knew what he was facing. He knew that he'd been now a long time in that case. He saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? He said, if you'll let me, I'll do something for you. The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I'm coming, another step down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed, and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. This is an amazing story, one of my favorite stories in the gospel. And I've heard a lot of preaching, good preaching from this text, and it's really easy to preach from this text. You could preach a salvation sermon from this text. This man is hurting, this man is hopeless, but thank God Jesus passes by and does for him what he couldn't do for himself. By the way, that's where I was, and that's where you were when you were lost. You couldn't save yourself, you couldn't fix yourself, but Jesus passed by. And I'm glad for that day he passed by and changed it all. We could preach a soul-winning sermon out of this text. This impotent man had been laying there for 38 years, almost four decades. He wanted to get in the water, but he couldn't under his own power. He needed a man to lead him to the place of hope, the place of healing, the place of help. Soul winners are so important. We don't just emphasize that faithfulness rally because we're trying to get you to do one more thing. That is what Jesus Christ did, and that is what Jesus would do if he was still here bodily. He'd be a soul winner. And I tell you, there's people out in our community, they need a man. They need a lady. They need a soul winner to come by and point them to Jesus. But tonight, I don't want to preach a salvation message. I don't want to preach a soul winning message. But I want to preach a message dealing with the Spirit of God, if you will. There's a phrase found in this text a few times. It's mentioned the same type of a phrase. And it mentions the troubling 
of the water. You see it there in verse number four twice that said he troubled the water, and then later says the troubling of the water. In verse number seven, the Bible makes the statement, the water is troubled. There was a certain season, a certain moment, a certain time when an angel would stir the water of that pool. That pool was of no use and no effect unless the water was stirred. But when the water was agitated, when the water was stirred, when the water was troubled, that was when it was time to get what you needed from God. That's when it was time to move. That's when it was time to obey. That's when it was time to make the decision when the water was troubled. I don't know if you'll understand this completely. I think most will, but there are seasons in the Christian life when it seems that God is more real than at other seasons. There are times when it seems like the Holy Spirit of God is moving in a more tangible way than at other times. There are times in the life of a church when you go to the services and it seems like in those services there's more of an obvious moving of God in those services, same place, same people, but more of an obvious moving of God in those services than in other seasons in the life of that church. Can I tell you when it is, when it's time to take advantage of what God is doing when the water's troubled in your life, when the Holy Spirit of God is really moving in your heart, when God is really impressing upon you to do something, when it's very evident that God's presence is in the place, that's when it's time to move. Tonight, I want to preach on this thought. Take advantage of the troubled water. I don't know if you realize it or not tonight, but I'll give you a little bit of example after example. God is troubling the water at our church right now. The Holy Spirit of God is doing some things right now in our church, and you don't want to miss it. This is, I believe, one of the easiest times to do right, to obey God, to do whatever it is God's impressed upon your heart because the water is troubled. Let's pray and we'll get into this thought. Lord, I pray for your help to preach this message. I pray you'd help me to make it clear that we'd understand it. Most of all, I pray that every man, every lady, every young person here tonight would hear that still small voice and would obey that still small voice and that we just get in the water tonight when it's troubled. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I think it was three years ago, I was preaching a meeting I preach almost every year in the state of Georgia. At this particular meeting, there's about 2,000 teenagers that would attend that meeting. On a Saturday morning, I went to preach, and my wife and Lincoln stayed in the hotel room that morning, and I just went to the service alone. We were about to make a big decision in our life, and that big decision is a decision that eventually led us to Santa Clara, California. We were living in the state of Kentucky at that time, and we were trying to sell our house, and uh, there was roof damage to the house, and it was going to cost about $8,000 to fix the roof. I didn't have $8,000, and uh, I definitely didn't have it just laying around to spend on a new roof to help sell our house, but I needed it. I drove the six hours down to Georgia to that meeting, and I preached on that Saturday morning, and I preached a message, and I've preached it at our church since on, Sorry, Aaron, all you get is God. God began to move in that service, and I didn't know all that God was doing, but I saw people coming to the altar, not at the invitation, but in the service they were coming to the altar. And by the way, that is perfectly okay, and that is acceptable, and that is allowed here. If God deals with you, that is the time to respond when God deals with you. 
People were coming to the altar, and my friend uh, named Adam Borden, he used to play the bass for Gold City, and he's in a church I preach in all the time now. He's with the Old Time Preachers Quartet, a great man, a great preacher, a great uh, singer and all that. He was over here holding his bass guitar. He had a bass guitar that was custom made for him. He carried that bass guitar to the altar with him while I'm preaching. He knelt down, laid that bass guitar on the altar and prayed over it. He got up after about 10 minutes. I was still just preaching. He was praying. And he left his bass all, uh, guitar on the altar and went back and sat down and just was weeping. Had his hands in there just weeping. I was preaching. Had no idea what had happened. I gave an invitation. During the invitation, the host preacher went to Brother Borden and they began to talk. And I thought, this is strange. What are they doing? Then the host preacher got up in the pulpit and he said, Today, as Brother Cooper was preaching, sorry, Aaron, all you get is God. He said, Brother Borden said he felt impressed by the Holy Ghost of God to give that bass guitar to Brother Cooper. He said he wants Brother Cooper to have that guitar so he can sell it. He said, we don't know if Brother Cooper has some kind of financial need or what's going on in his life, but God impressed it upon Brother Borden to give him that bass guitar and sell it. Brother Borden had that guitar handmade for him, and the preacher said, Brother Borden, how much is that guitar worth? He said, well, used is probably worth about $3,000. I thought, well, that's pretty good. It won't pay for my roof, but it's getting pretty close. A young person, not an adult, but a teenager in the crowd said, would it be okay if all of us redeemed that bass guitar to give it back to Brother Borden and we give the money to Brother Cooper? That way he goes home with his blessing and his guitar and Brother Cooper gets his money. And the preacher said, well, if that's what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do, that'd be all right with me. About that time, not one, not two, but 2,000, I believe, young people in that building, one by one began to stand up and bring dollar bills and things to the altar. Now, I'm not preaching on getting money. I'm just preaching on following the Holy Spirit. They began to stand up and bring that money to the altar, and I began to sit there, and I began to weep. I couldn't control it. I thought, man, these young people don't even have a job, and whatever money they have. One young boy laid down a Subway gift card, and the reason he did is that's all he had. And he told me, my grandma gave me that Subway gift card for Christmas, but I want to give it to you since you're the preacher. They began to lay those dollar bills up there and they began to count the money. And after they totaled up the offering, you'll never guess how much it was, but it was just over $8,000. I left that service that day with all I needed to put a new roof on my house. And the man who was going to give up his guitar got to go home with the guitar and the blessing of having obeyed the Holy Spirit of God when he asked him to do something. Can I say, I would have missed out on that. He would have missed out on that. Those young people would have missed out on that Have we not taken advantage of those troubled waters. On Saturday, Brother Chad and I were out going soul winning, and we went to get something to drink between visits. And as we were walking out, there's a group of four Santa Clara firemen sitting there uh, drinking a drink on the patio of the restaurant. We walked by them, and as we did, the Holy Ghost of God spoke to my heart and convicted me and said, you should have told those men, thank you for doing what you do. 
Now, we were walking by, and I looked, and I'm not that spiritual. I'm just telling you, when the water is troubled, you ought to take advantage of the troubled water. I looked over at Brother Chad, and I said, let me go back. I'll be right back. And he looked, and I turned around, went back, and just said, fellas, I just want to tell you that we appreciate what you do serving our community. And those men began to smile and said, we love it, and we sure do appreciate that. And I'll tell you what happened. There was a little bit of a joy that welled up within me because I obeyed the leading of the Holy Spirit in my life tonight I want you to think with me take advantage of the troubled water now I don't know if everyone tonight will understand what I'm trying to preach to you but I do believe many of you are going to completely understand what I'm about to say there are certain services there are certain seasons and there are certain moments when it seems that God is moving in a way that is very evident very obvious and very compelling have you ever heard somebody say that is a spirit filled man or have you ever heard somebody say the Holy Spirit impressed me to do such and such has there ever been a moment in your life where without question you knew the Holy Ghost that dwells within you was guiding you or leading you to act in a certain way have you ever been in a service before that without doubt God was stirring in that service have you ever had an experience or a season in your life where you were more aware of the presence of God and the realness of God than at other times? Have you ever had that moment in your life when you knew God was working on you? Uh, Maze Jackson, an old preacher, used to say that those moments are like a slice of spiritual strawberry cheesecake. They're unmistakable. It's very obvious when that tangible presence of God and that unmistakable voice of God is resonating in your life. I could give you example after example in my own life when there were seasons and moments and times where it felt like God was very near and the Holy Spirit was very real in my life. It's happened in Bible study times. I've had it happen in prayer meeting times. I've had it happen uh, just in meditating on the name of the Lord. I've had it happen in services like this where it was just very obvious that the presence of God was in that place. It's not always the same. Sometimes you'll shout. Sometimes you're very quiet. Sometimes there's a lot of joy. Sometimes you'll be really convicted. Sometimes it happens in a big group. Sometimes it happens when you're alone, but there's no debating the fact there are moments when the Holy Spirit of God prods the heart of the child of God to do something specific for the glory of God. I was preaching for a preacher in North Carolina in 2010. The man is in heaven now, but he said, I remember when I was your age, I went to a brush harbor meeting. A brush harbor meeting sort of a southern thing, but it's like a tent meeting. He said, I wanted to go because preaching that night was a man I'd never heard named Ralph Sexton Sr. He said, the man leading the singing for the meeting was an evangelist named Billy Kelly. Billy Kelly was a large preacher, just a powerful voice as he'd preach and sing. And he said, I went to that tabernacle that night to hear that preacher preach. He said, I walked in there. He said, it was so hot in that place. He said, it was about 110 degrees, humidity 100%, mosquitoes carrying off babies. I mean, just a hot summer in North Carolina. He said, I walked in there and all 400 pounds of Billy Kelly was just sweating it out while he was trying to lead the singing. He said, women were fanning, men were about to pass out, babies were crying. He said, it was hard to pay attention to the service. He said, about that time, 
a well-dressed man in a pinstripe suit and a briefcase and a top hat came walking out on the platform. He said, I thought that man might have been in the mafia. I didn't know that was the preacher. He said, I'd never seen him before in my life. He said, I took one look at him and thought, that's not a country preacher. He'll not be able to preach at all. He said, that man got in the pulpit, Ralph Sexton Sr. And he said, he began to speak and said, now I can't preach tonight until I talk to God about this. He said, bow your head with me in prayer. They all bowed their head and Ralph Sexton Sr., the man told me, said, Lord, it sure is hot in this tent. He said, the ladies are fanning, the babies are crying, men are about to pass out. He said, I can't preach like this. He said, it'd be nice if you'd let a breeze blow through here right about now. He said, about when he said that, you could hear that wind begin to whip through the tabernacle. He said, all 400 pounds of Billy Kelly went, whoa, and took off running down the middle aisle. He said, the men hit the altar, the women started shouting, the babies seemed to quit crying, and he said, it got all like Donkey Kong right there in that tabernacle. He said, I couldn't help it. I wanted to see what that dignified preacher was doing. He said, I thought he'd be disgusted. He said, I opened my eyes and saw Ralph Sexton Sr., top hat knocked off, hair all disheveled, suit coat half undone, hands in the air saying, God did it again. God did it again. God did it again. Can I say that's not weird? That is not charismatic. That is automatic. That is the Holy Spirit of God responding to people sensitive to the Spirit of God. In 2 Samuel, we find an example of that. The Lord said, David, there's going to be a time when I want you to move. There'll be a certain season when I'm going to be working on your behalf. But you don't move, you don't fight the Philistines until I stir the water. It's in 2 Samuel 5.25. He tells David, you sit still until you hear the sound of the wind rustling in the top of those mulberry trees. But when that breeze begins to blow through the branches of those trees, then you know it is time to step out. It's time to go forward for God. He's saying you wait until the breeze blows. You wait until the wind comes, but once it comes, you better act. That's your moment to move. I want to ask you something. Have you ever had a moment like that? Have you had an unmistakable moment when the mulberry tree of your life was shaken by the wind of heaven? The Bible says in John 3, 8, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit of God. I can't tell you when the wind will blow, and I don't know where the wind will blow, but I can determine to try to be ready when the wind does blow. And I can't tell you when the Holy Spirit shows up, and I don't know exactly when it'll show out, but I know this, I want to be ready to respond when the Spirit of God stirs the water in my life. You can't debate it tonight. It's in the Bible. There are seasons when God stirs the heart and moves on the life of a Christian in a greater way than he does at other times. Isaiah 55, 6, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Hebrews 3, 13, While it said today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. We sing the song here, Surely the presence of of the Lord is in this place. And the truth is, the presence of God is always in this place. But what the song means is this. There are moments when the Spirit of God is more evidently, more tangibly, more noticeably present in the house of God, moving in the hearts of His children. I think we could call those moments, moments in our 
life when God is troubling the water. It's a moment when God is stirring within you. It's a moment when God is moving on your heart. It's a moment when your flesh takes a backseat to the spiritual man that lives on the inside. I want to ask you, are the waters troubled tonight? If they are, then it's time to get in when the water's troubled. Jonah had a season when God troubled the water in his life. He said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach, cry out against their sin. And that was time for Jonah to move. David had a season when the water was troubled in his life. He committed sin with Bathsheba. Nathan called him out. God convicted him. The waters were troubled and David had to repent and get right. Peter had a time when the water was troubled in his life. He backslid and went fishing. But there on the seashore was the Lord. And he said, Peter, lovest thou me? Then feed my sheep. Right then he stirred the water and Peter had to make his decision. Elisha had a moment when God troubled the water in his life. The old man of God, Elijah, passed by and cast his mantle before him. And Elijah had, Elisha had the water stirred, had to make a decision. Do I stay with the plow or do I become a prophet and preach the word of God? Paul had a moment in his life when God troubled the water. And he said, a great door and effectual is opened unto me. And tonight, here's what I'm preaching. I want to wake up a sleeping giant that is the church of God. Church is more and Christianity is more than just a series of standards. It's more than you just measuring yourself against some other Christian. It's more than just being religious and going through routine. It's more than just ritual and formalism. There is a Holy Ghost of God that lives on the inside and He wants to move and He wants to lead and He wants to guide and He wants to conform and He wants to convict and make the Christian more like Jesus. Jesus Christ, the Bible says where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of him. Then can I say that in the club, it's not a social gathering. We don't come to meet and greet each other. We came to meet and greet with God. And I'm going to ask you, when's the last time the water was troubled in your life? Above this property, higher than these airplanes, beyond the clouds, above the galaxies, sits a God in heaven. And at his right hand is our blood-stained, risen Redeemer. And dwelling in your heart right now is the sweet Holy Spirit of God. And can I say, if you live and die, having never had the water troubled, you're going to miss out on the biggest blessing that God has in store for the child of God. God wants you to know Him. God wants you to get to know Him. God wants you to hear His voice. God wants you to fellowship with Him. God wants to lead you to shady green pastures so rich and so sweet. God wants you to have that, re uh, that relationship so you can call him Abba Father. And can I say in these days, we need more than just to show up. We need more than just to fill a seat. We need more than just to hear from man. We've got to hear the voice of God when we come to church. These are wicked days and worldly days and wayward days. And we don't need Christians that go through the motions. We need Christians that move when the Holy Spirit says move. Did you ever stop and consider that maybe God has upset our apple cart? That's country for God has messed things up, it seems. God's upset our apple cart in these days and made us change our routine from family to work to church so that he might wake us up and trouble our water. Maybe God has you and I right where he wants us so that he can actually stir us up and speak to our hearts. God doesn't want our routine. He wants our relationship. He's not interested in show. He wants us to be real. 
I don't know, maybe, I'm sick of talking about it, but it's just what it is. Maybe COVID's purpose was to trouble the water. Maybe the election was meant to trouble the water. Maybe the rising prices, our gas tax is going up one uh, more percent or something in July. Maybe our gas tax, maybe that's to trouble the water. Maybe all the people who've fallen out of church, that was supposed to trouble your water. Maybe those families that got out of the will of God, not all of them are out of the will of God, but those, some of those who've moved away, maybe that was to trouble the water. Maybe all those lonely days where just five or six of us met in a huge auditorium, had online services while you were by yourself at the house. Maybe those things were to trouble the water in your life. Can I say maybe the cold weather in the evening services and the strong breezes and the rain we've dealt with, maybe the warm morning services, that was meant to trouble the water in your life. Maybe last year's online youth conference and this year's outside pastors conference with every kind of weather imaginable was meant to get our attention so the Holy Ghost of God could trouble the water in our life. Do you even realize right now what God is doing in our church? Can I tell you, God is troubling the water at North Valley Baptist Church. Right now, the Holy Spirit of God is moving in a special kind of a way. You say, I don't believe that. Well, I can't help it if you're too carnal to feel I'm telling you, God is moving right now. You just come with me. You come with me to men's prayer. And you see those hundred men or so out there begging God for a touch on Sunday. You listen to them sing the old hymns of the faith. You watch as they raise their hands and give testimonies and they weep. God is troubling the water. If you miss pastor's conference, you might not know. But if you came, God is troubling the water. It doesn't make any sense that God would meet with us like he did in that hail and that thunder and lightning and that rain and that wind but God showed up and many around the country say that was the best pastors conference they've ever been to. You're crazy if you don't think God's troubling the waters you ought to see the young people in the college I mean they sold out to come to a place and have class outside and have class online I mean no doubt they had pressure from other places but we had some young men with a pioneering spirit and some young ladies that wanted to live for God can I say God is stirring the water you should have come to youth camp a couple weeks ago as God stirred the water we had about four young men surrender to the call of God to be a gospel preacher we had young people get born again God is moving right now in a special way he's troubling the water I want to ask you a question is God stirring your heart today I'm asking, are you spiritually sensitive to what God wants to do? Are you spiritually in tune? You might not ever get born again if you don't get in when the water is troubled. If you're tonight and you're lost, you better take advantage of it when the Holy Spirit moves on you to get saved. You might not ever realize your potential if you don't take advantage of the troubled water. You might miss out on your ministry opportunity if you don't take advantage of the troubled water. You might find yourself under judgment if you don't take care of things during the time of troubled water. They don't stay troubled for long. They don't stay troubled forever. It's just a short moment. But when they're troubled, that's the time to get in the water. In John chapter number 5, it's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. This text shows us the great need of man the great awareness of Jesus and the great ability of God to do what only God can do. In the city of Jerusalem, there's a pool by the sheep market. You go right through the sheep gate that we read about in Nehemiah. Just inside the gate where sacrificers buy their lambs for their offering is a large pool with five porches surrounding it. The word Bethesda literally means 
house of mercy, covering that pool or several porches. The porches around that pool are housing a mass of humanity. The people around the pool of Bethesda are in obvious need of divine mercy. Picture it in your mind. The atmosphere, the background is just filled with the sound of bawling lambs. But the sound of those bawling lambs are mingled with the groans and the moans of those people that are impotent, blind, halt and withered. The purity of those lambs is contrasted starkly by the obvious corruption of that mass of humanity piled around that pool. To the right, there'd be a man who can't see. He's blind. To his left, there's a man with a palsied limb. Across the pool is a woman with an issue of blood that no doctor can heal. It's a sad reminder of how frail our flesh is. That great multitude is strewn about the pool for a specific reason. At a certain season, the Bible says an angel would descend and that angel would trouble the water. Look at verse 4. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. As soon as it was seen, those waters were stirred. No doubt that whole mass of humanity tried to run and throw themselves into the water. Those who couldn't get there on their own would be pushed in by their attendants. But the Bible said the first man, the first woman in would be healed of whatever their infirmity was. Think about it. If they took advantage of troubled water, the blind man could see. If he took advantage of the troubled water, the crippled man could walk. If he took advantage of the troubled water, the sick person would be healed. They weren't troubled every day and they weren't troubled for a long season but when they were troubled it was like God hung an open for business sign out there in front of those people there's a feast going on in the city it's more crowded than usual and a visitor comes to the pool I'm not going to preach on the fact that Jesus showed up and Jesus did what Jesus does he went to that man in need and he healed him of his infirmity we all know that's what Jesus does and I say thank God for Jesus but I want you to notice that phrase tonight when those waters were troubled that's when it was time to take advantage and get what you needed from God. I thank God for the example of soul winning and I thank God for the example of salvation, but I thank God for the example of how the Spirit of God will stir in the life of the child of God. That infirm man laid there a long time looking for what he needed and I wonder how many of God's people sit in service after service and go home the way they showed up because they don't take advantage of what God wants to do when they come to the house of God tonight if the waters are troubled, it's time to get in. If the waters are stirred, then it's time to move. 38 years is a long time. 38 days is a long time. 38 minutes is too long to wait. If the Holy Spirit of God moves on your heart, then do business with God. I'll say it again. There are certain seasons. There are certain moments. There are certain times when God stirs and the Holy Ghost moves in a way unlike He does at other seasons. If that's you tonight, then step into the water. If that's you tonight, then get it a little bit deeper. If that's you tonight, then jump on in. The water's fine. Take advantage of the troubled water. See that pool? See those hurting people? They needed something. Tonight, we need something as well. And you get it from the same place. You got to obey God. Get into the troubled water. Number one, you better take advantage of the troubled water when it comes to the salvation of your soul. You're not going to get saved whenever you want to. You're not going to get saved however you want to. You're going to get saved when the Spirit of God convicts you of your sin and draws you to salvation. 
The Bible tells you that in, in the book of John. You're not going to pop your bubblegum whistle Dixie and do a cartwheel down the aisle and say, I reckon I'll get saved because I don't want to go to hell or anything. You don't get saved till you realize you're lost. Who convicts us of our sin? The Holy Ghost of God does that. You're here tonight and God has been convicting you of the fact you're not saved on a Sunday night. You say, well, I'll get saved tonight. I'll get saved tomorrow. I'll get saved another time. If today's not good enough, if God's today is not good enough, your tomorrow might not be good enough for him. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry while on others thou art calling. Do not pass me by. I've seen people sit in church services with white knuckles on the back of pews. They know they're lost. They know they're not going to heaven. The Holy Spirit of God is stirring them and they're trying to hang on through just as I am and they think if I can just ride this invitation out then I'm going to win. Can I say if you go home that way you didn't win. You're the biggest loser walking the face of this earth. The greatest decision you'll ever make is to get born again by the grace of God. I remember when the Holy Spirit of God convicted me of my sin for the first time. I was raised in church. I was raised in a Christian home, but I was lost. Can I say there's a big difference in being a church member and being born again? There's a big difference in being religious and being born again. I went to church on a Sunday morning. I met my wife. Now she's my wife anyway at a summer camp. I thought she was good looking, so I thought, man, I'll get spiritual and I'll go to church. I don't care if you got to swallow a goldfish, give away an iPad, or if it's a date, whatever gets them to come. So I went to church. Man, I went to that old country church that day. That preacher got up there and he ripped my lips off in Jesus' name. I mean, he preached the devil out of me. He didn't ask me my opinion. He didn't pass out a survey. He didn't take a census. He didn't have time to put slides up on the screen. They didn't have screens anyway. He just got up there and reared back and he preached the King James Bible. As he preached the Bible, the Holy Spirit of God for the first time seemed to turn the light on in my mind. I'm not going to heaven because I'm an American. I'm not going to heaven because I'm a good person. I'm not going to heaven because I attend church sometimes. I'm going to hell. I've never been born again and the waters were troubled in my soul. I wish I'd have walked out and got saved in church, but I was too worried about what everybody else thought instead of what God knew about me. That night in my college apartment, I took a gospel track written by John R. Rice. The gospel was in there. I read that gospel. The Holy Spirit convicted me again. The water was troubled. I bowed on my face and I said, Lord, save a sinner like me. And when I cried out to Jesus for salvation, can I say I've not been the same since? I got born again, a new creature in Christ, part of the family of God. It wasn't just repeating a prayer. It wasn't just going through the motions. I got born again by the Spirit of God. If you're tonight and don't know for sure you're saved, you got to get saved right now. I was preaching in Texas and I was preaching up in the pulpit and the uh, assistant pastor in the sound booth got out of the sound booth, came and grabbed the pastor, went to the altar and I thought they must be getting something settled and after the service he testified and the assistant pastor got born again in the sound booth. That's right. I was preaching my first revival meeting and I was on the altar leading an 18-year-old young man to Christ. That young man right now is a pastor in South Carolina. I was leading him to Christ and behind me I heard a, a woman in the Carolinas, the women shout. They don't sit there all quiet and mean looking like y'all do. But anyway, I'm But I heard a woman behind me went, Woo! I thought, what is that? I turned around and this woman, a preacher's wife, was hugging my wife. Now, my wife was raised in a preacher's home, had more standards than Jesus. I tried to ruin them and hadn't been able to yet. But anyway, spiritual, never done half the things I've done. 
I surrendered to preach, and man, I, she wasn't all that happy about it, and we were having some just conflict there, and I thought, what's going on with this? I turned around, that preacher's wife was hugging my wife, and I looked and said, Des, what's wrong? She's weeping. She said, I just got saved. I said, I thought you were saved. She said, no, I made a profession. I was six years old, but I've known in my heart this whole time I'm not saved. I just worried about what my parents thought. I said, but I got saved tonight. You better take advantage when the water's troubled. Not just when it comes to your salvation. You got to take advantage when the water's troubled when it comes to your call to service. I'm glad tonight that I've been called to preach. I'm glad my mom didn't call me. My daddy's not a preacher. I don't have any kind of Bible college background even. But I know this, the Holy Spirit of God convicted my heart and God reached out and grabbed a hold of me and said, I want you to be a preacher. I'm glad for that day I was called to preach. I believe there are people sitting in our services every time we get behind a pulpit and preach that God is trying to ring the bell in your life and say, I want you to preach. I want you to fill a bus route. I want you to teach a Sunday school class. I want you to go to the mission field. Can I say that's the greatest thing in the world is to be in the will of God, to be a God-called preacher. I thank God for that. I remember I was in a church service on a Sunday morning in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. I was a public school teacher, or a Christian school teacher, public school. It's the same thing once you get in there. But anyway, I had the same type of kids. I was teaching school and I was in church on a Sunday morning and I just looked like a school teacher. I had on khaki pants and a purple button-up shirt and some dorky-looking tie and I just sitting back there had no idea and uh, we'd just been married a few months I was sitting on that front row and I think that's why people don't sit on the front row because they're afraid God will do something in their life brother England be careful but anyway I, I was in the front row and that preacher began to preach that morning he took off his suit jacket and he said I'm about to go to heaven I'm an old man he's in heaven now he said but I wonder which young man will pick up my mantle he took his coat and threw it on the ground he said he'll pick up that mantle of the King James Bible he'll pick up the mantle of old time religion he'll pick up the mantle of soul winning who'll pick up the mantle and be a man of God in your generation and I thought man these sorry devils they ought to be moving these fellows ought to preach and about the time I thought that God reached out with an unseen hand grabbed hold of my heart and said I want you to be a preacher I didn't even know where half the books of the Bible were I just been saved about a year but I know without a doubt God called me to preach and look where I'm at tonight why because when the water was troubled thank God the Holy Spirit led me I took a step of faith and God has led is safely this far through. Can I say tonight if that's you, don't say no to God. You say yes to God. If the water's troubled, jump on in. You say, but I'm this and that. I don't care what you are. I know who he is. And if God wants to use you, you leave that up to God and you just trust him with the details. You better take advantage of the troubled water when it comes to your lost soul, when it comes to the call of service, when it comes to your sin. I... When it comes to your sin, Luke 15, 17, 18, let me help you with it. When he came to himself, you hear that phrase? Probably when he came to himself, that's when he said, I'll arise and go to my father. Now tonight we'd be the biggest group of fakes and phonies if we were to say we have no sin to get right with God. Because I can go ahead and throw a wet blanket on everybody's ego tonight and say, yes, you do. And yes, I do. I tell you when you ought to get right with your sin, when God deals with you about it. Right when God speaks to you about your sin, you ought to get right with God about your sin. Right now in your heart, you say, I know there's something in my life God's not pleased with. I'd keep a short account with God and get that thing right tonight. I wouldn't put it off. I wouldn't let it linger. I wouldn't let it fester. I wouldn't let it just metastasize inside your life. I'd take care of it tonight. 
I mean, what is it in your heart right now that you'd be embarrassed about if God came down and said, I'm just going to put it on the screen tonight and we'll show everybody what you're involved in right now. You say, what sin are you talking about? The one that's in your mind right now as I preach. If the Holy Spirit of God is dealing with you about sin, confess it and get it right. And one last thing. Take advantage of the troubled water when it comes to saying thank you or I'm sorry to somebody else. Don't let the moment pass you by to love on those that you still have with you. R.G. Lee used to say, dead noses smell no roses. You got to say thank you to a pastor while you have one. You got to say thank you to a Sunday school teacher while you have one. You got to say thank you to a bus worker while you have one. You got to say thank you to a mother while you can. You got to say thank you to a dad while you're able. You got to say thank you or I love you to a sibling while you're able. You got to go to a church member that you care about and tell them how you feel while you're able. Same thing when it comes to needing to say I'm sorry. If you've hurt somebody, then you got to go to them tonight and say I'm sorry about it. You ought not wait and have to go to their funeral and hang your head with regret. You ought to get that thing right tonight. Maybe you need to... Ask forgiveness or give forgiveness. All I'm saying is you got to get that right tonight. There's a certain season when the water's troubled. And when that water's troubled, that's when it's time to jump in. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.